I'm going to start my message where I'm going to end my message this morning. Uh, I'm going to read a verse from Luke chapter 19. Uh, Most of you know the context of that verse, although it might not readily come to your mind. I'll remind you of that when I get to the end of my message. But Jesus was in uh, eating dinner with somebody, and they had a conversation, and he said this after dinner, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Talking about himself, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise God that we have a Savior that seeks. Praise God that we, we have a Savior that just doesn't stand on the rampart, rampart, ramparts of heaven and say, hey, you all come. You all figure out to, how to get here on your own. Thank God we have a Savior who left heaven, humbled himself, took the form of a servant, lived among sinful men for 33 years, tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, went to the cross, and while on that cross, God put on him every one of our sins. All my sins. I love that song that that says, My sins not in part, but in whole. We're nailed to the, we're on the Savior as he was nailed to the cross, and he paid for every sin. And he has come, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if you study that word seek, it it means more than just come looking for It has a wider meaning than that. It means, first of all, to devise a plan, to put together a plan to save the lost. Then it means what we normally think of when we think of the word seek. It means going and looking for those that need that plan. Going and looking for sinners, seeking sinners. And then, number three, it means implementing the plan. God not only planned the plan, he worked the plan. And because he worked the plan, he's able to offer to every single person the gift of eternal life. And so this morning I speak on the subject, a seeking Savior. My message is simple this morning. In fact, you'll be happy to know I only have one point. I, I, I know on the Lord's Supper morning that I'm going to have less time than I normally do. And so I don't have three points. I don't have more than three points. I just have one point. And my point is this. We have a Savior that came looking for us. We have a Savior that came to where we were to tell us about the gospel. We have a Savior that came to mankind and made, made the gift of eternal life available to everybody. And again, this morning from my message, I want to just give you a couple of of examples of how God has done that down through time and how he still does it today. How he hasn't changed one bit. He's still seeking sinners to save that which was lost. We'll start from where we read in Genesis chapter 3. God created Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, gave them a wonderful place to live, a perfect environment, had fellowship with them. It implies from the verse that we read, in the cool of the day, that God would come and visit with his creation. In fact, it says there in in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I don't think it just happened this day. I think it was a regular occurrence. 
I sort of think it happened every day where God came down to fellowship with his creation. That's why he made Adam and Eve. That's why he created them. He wanted somebody to fellowship with. He wanted somebody to love. He wanted somebody to love him back. And so he put them in the Garden of Eden. And on this particular day, it was different than any other day. Because in verse 6, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, is one of the most tragic verses in the Bible. Probably the most tragic verse in the Bible because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we read about sin. We read about the first sin. We read about the sin that cast all of mankind under the condemnation, the judgment of God. The woman saw the tree was good for food, the tree that God had told Adam and Eve not to eat of, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. They disobeyed God. They sinned. And as a result of that, their fellowship was about to be broken. Because your Bible says when they ate that fruit, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were, was, was opened, were, was, were opened. And they saw that they were naked. And when they heard that God came walking in, in, in the cool of the garden that day, they, they heard his voice. They heard him call out, Adam, Eve, like he usually did. And instead of, as they usually did, come running to him and embrace him. And I always imagine what happened on those visits when God came to the Garden of Eden. I think the Garden of Eden was full of so many things that Adam and Eve discovered something new every day. And just like a little child that discovers something new, when God came, when their father came, they wanted to share what they found with him. Of course, God made it all. There wasn't nothing new to God. But I can just see them with the excitement of a little child. God, look what we discovered today. Okra. Chris, okra. Or a new flower. Or, or some other plant in the garden. It was, it was all new to them. I mean, there were so many things new. A new animal. And, and they just had to share it with God. But this day was different. When God came, the Bible says they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. And causing God to cry out. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you? You see, God didn't discover their sin when he came walking in the garden of Eden. He knew they committed the sin. He knew before he created them that they were going to sin. Like we talked about in Sunday school, God's foreknowledge doesn't mean he caused it. He just knew that it was going to happen. He knew that after Adam and Eve ate that fruit, that they needed a way to be reconciled to him. Because you see, he'd already said, you eat the fruit, you're going to die. I talked about it yesterday in the funeral service I had. When, when we disobey God, when we sin, when Adam and Eve sin, they didn't die physically. That's not the punishment of sin. The punishment of sin is, is spiritual death. Being separated from God. God's about to kick him out of the garden. A holy, righteous God can't tolerate sin. And he's about to kick his creation out of, the, out of this place that he made for them. But he wanted to put into place, he wanted to picture for Adam and Eve the plan that he had devised before the foundation of the world. They, when, they, when they realized their sin and admitted that sin to God, and I, I don't have time to go through it this morning, uh, but, but we read, they, they, they made themselves aprons. And God said, that's not good enough. That won't cover skin, uh, sin. And we read down in that chapter where the, God made them uh, uh, clothes. 
out of the skin of animals. An innocent animal had to die. The first time in the Garden of Eden, I believe that anything died. The first time that mankind had experienced death was to cover their sins. And what God was picturing for mankind, the death and the covering that was going to be provided for sin 5,000 years later on the cross of Calvary, when God spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all as a payment for our sin. He was picturing that. The plan was already in place. He was telling Adam and Eve and all of us that read their story that somebody innocent has to die to pay for sin. And we know today that that innocent one is his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He came looking. Adam, where art you? Where art thou? He came looking for a sinner. We turn over to the next chapter in Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. God had to find for Adam and Eve's son, Cain and Abel, how they were to approach him with a blood sacrifice. How they were to express their love and worship God with a blood sacrifice. You know the story as well as I do. That's what Abel brought, but not Cain. Cain brought of the fruit of the, of the ground. He, 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 he was a farmer. And he picked out some of the best, uh, best of his crop and brought it to God. And God rejected the sacrifice. Again, in the early stages of mankind, he was picturing for mankind. He was picturing that it took a blood sacrifice to pay for sin. Without the shedding of blood, it's no remission of sin. And Cain disobeyed God and said, I have a different plan. People haven't changed since that day. People today say, I have a different plan. There's a different way than I, that I can get right with God. I want to tell you something this morning. Your plan won't work. If your plan is anything different than the Lord Jesus Christ, your plan will take you right to hell. Your plan won't work. He's, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Well, Cain brought the sacrifice, and God sought him out. God came looking for him. And he said this in verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you're obedient, if you bring a blood sacrifice, I'll accept that. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. God was telling Cain, look, I prescribed the plan for you. I told you how it was supposed to work. A blood sacrifice. I've come looking for you to tell you again. That's the only way it'll work. A seeking Savior. He comes looking for sinners. One of the best examples that I think God put in the Bible, and I know this is repetition because it wasn't too long ago I preached from the book of Hosea, but one of the best examples in the Bible of God that illustrates God seeking sinners is the story that he tells in the book of Hosea about a man who marries a prostitute. They have three children together, a son, a daughter, and another son. One day, Hosea's wife, Gomer, wakes up and says, this married life is not for me. And she leaves her husband and she leaves her children and goes back into the sin of prostitution. Hosea, her husband, a picture of God, seeks out his wife, seeks out Gomer and says, Gomer, won't you come back home? Won't you please come back to the children and I? We love you. I need you as my wife. The children need you as their mother. In fact, the children come. 
And, and they, 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 they plead with their mother to come home. But she refuses. But again, a picture of God as he comes seeking for sinners. Uh, Gomer didn't come home at that time. And you read the rest of the story, so to speak, in, in, in the book of, of Hosea. Time passes. Their children grow up. They have families of their own. Hosea is an old man, an old man now. His back is stooped. Uh, he has aches and pains like, well, I won't say like who, but he, he had aches and pains. And one day, and one day he, he, he goes to the center of the city, the Bema seat of the city, the place where business is conducted, and there's a slave auction going on at that Bema seat. There's a young man for sale, selling for a slave. And Hosea thinks to himself, boy, this guy will fetch a high price. He can do a lot of work. He's strong. And he did bring a high price. Then there's a young lady slave that's offered for auction. And Hosea says, she's pretty. Somebody will bid on her. Sure enough, the price was high. Then they bring an old woman to sell as a slave. Haggard, well-worn. You could tell that she'd lived a life of sin. Hosea looks at her and says, she won't bring much. She's so old that she can't do much work. She's not pretty. She's ugly. She won't make much of a slave. The auction starts. Nobody bids. Hosea continues to look at that woman. And he recognizes her. He says, that's Gomer. That's my wife. That's the mother of my children. Hosea says, I'll bid a piece of silver. Somebody else in the crowd looks at the woman again and says, maybe there's something we missed. Somebody else bids two. Hosea says, I bid three. Somebody else bids four. Hosea raises the price. The crowd wants to see how far it'll go to buy this old woman, so they keep bidding up the price. The Bible says he pays 15 pieces of silver to buy Gomer as a slave. He comes to her. She recognizes him right off. And this is not recorded in the Bible, but they were people just like us. I know what people would ask in a situation like that. Gomer looks at him and says, Hosea, why? Why would you buy me? After what I did to you? After what I did to our children? Why would you want anything to do with me? And Hosea, again, picturing God, says, I love you. My love for you never changed. Even though you went back into sin, you're still my wife, and I love you. That's what God says to every sinner as he comes to seek us. We may, we, 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 we may be a terrible sinner. I, I've known people that have said before they came to the Savior, there's no way God can save me. Preacher, you don't know what kind of sinner I am. You don't know to the, what depths, the depths of sin that I've gone to in my life. You, you, you just don't know. There's no way that a holy, righteous God can love a sinner like me. And I've told those people, you're right. I don't know what kind of sinner you are, but I know what kind of Savior we have. I know we have a Savior that can, that, that can save from the deepest part of sin. I know we have a Savior whose blood can cleanse the blackest sin, the most wicked sin, the most vilest, vilest sin. I know we have a Savior that can make the vilest sinner right in the eyes of God. And he comes looking for us like Hosea came looking for Gomer. 
And he he extended the love that God wants to extend to every sinner. One more example. I'm out of time. One more example. I moved to the New Testament. Jesus had been preaching for a while. He'd been teaching. A lot of people have heard of him. There was a man that heard about him and said, I'd like to see Jesus. I really would like to just to see him, just to hear him teach and to hear him preach and to see him. Uh, but this man was a short man. He had, he had a statute a deficiency. He said, if I go into the crowd, I won't be able to see over the crowd. So he came up with a plan. He says, I know uh, the path, that, the road that Jesus will take into town. I'll find a tree. I'll climb up that tree. And when Jesus passes, I'll be able to good, get a good look at him. Of course, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Zacchaeus. That wee little man who wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up a sycamore tree because he wanted to see the Savior. Well, you know the story. A seeking Savior knew exactly where that wicked tax collector was. He knew the very tree, the very limb that Zacchaeus was perched upon. And the seeking Savior came to the base of that tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going home with you today. You see, you may be here this morning and you may be in a very unusual spot. You may be in a spot in your life that you might be the only person that you know, the only earthly person that you know that, 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 that knows where you are. But I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus knows where you are. Amen. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need. And he'll come to the very spot that you are. He just doesn't stand afar off and say, hey, you come to me. You you know where I am. You come to me. No, he comes to where we are. He comes to the very spot that we are. And he looks at us. And he says the same thing to us that he said to Zacchaeus. Come on down. Come on down. I want to be your friend. I want to be your savior. I want to take care of your sin. See, the Bible says because of sin, and by the way, uh, we're all sinners. Say, preacher, you hardly know me. How can you say I'm a sinner? I can say you're a sinner because that's what this book says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And because of our sin, there's a great gulf that exists between us and God. Uh, God could stay in heaven and say, okay, you're a sinner. I'm God. There's a great gulf that is between us. You figure out how to get over it. You figure out how to get right with me. You figure out how to overcome that sin that separates us. I want to tell you, if that's the attitude, the the position that God took, all of us, every single one of us, have, have no hope of salvation. There's no way we can get over that gulf. But God didn't do that. He stepped down from heaven. Say, I have a plan. My plan is to send my son to die and pay for your sins. It'll be free. Won't cost you a thing. I'll pay the price in full. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary. He paid the price for every one of our sins. And he offers to every single person the gift of eternal life. We're sinners. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I, I know most of us here this morning are Christians. I don't know about you, but I rejoice every time I think about that. I rejoice that I had a Savior that came looking for me. I, I was a 16-year-old. 16 year, 16 year I, 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 I knew I needed to get saved because I had a grandma that told me I was a sinner and I was going to hell. But I'm glad that God came down one night and, and, and said, Hey, don't you think it's about... He used my preacher to say it. Don't you think it's about time you got saved? Don't you think it's about time you took the gift of eternal life? I had a Savior that came looking for me. And I got saved. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. He's looking for you. He's come to seek you. You see, Zacchaeus, after they had dinner, and Zacchaeus was saved and converted and made some promises to God, here's what Jesus told them. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the kind of Savior we have. That's the kind of Savior, if you're saved this morning, he came looking for you. That's the kind of Savior, if you're not saved this morning, he's looking for you right now. He wants you to receive the gospel. He wants you to receive the gift that Christ purchased for you on Calvary. It's yours for the taking. All you have to do is take it. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, the name of Jesus. Would you do that this morning? If you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, would you do it this morning? He'll turn nobody away that comes. He just wants you to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you came looking for us. We didn't have to go looking for you. We couldn't get up to where you were. You came down to where we were to offer us the gift of salvation. And I pray if there's just one person here this morning that's never taken it, never received it, today, right now, would be the moment that they see their sin, they see the penalty for that sin, and they come and receive the one the way, the truth, and the life. They come and receive Jesus Christ, the only one that can forgive their sin. I pray for the many Christians that are here, Father. Help us rejoice in what we have in Jesus Christ. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us to never uh, grow tired of thinking about it. Help us to rejoice every time it comes to our mind that we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb and stand before you justified. Just bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient, Holy Spirit, and do what you tell us to do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.